end of the line. Episode 36, Helena. That's why I got into doing this work. To make a difference to someone's life. To really help people. I'd been so disillusioned by the corporate world and I sort of fell into specialising in fertility by accident. They just started coming and people got pregnant and the word of mouth spread. I mean, I'm still learning because five years is a baby in this game, but I absolutely love it. Honestly, when you finish your training, you'll know what I mean. When my first patient got pregnant, I was beside myself. For her and for me. She'd been trying for over a year and was starting to lose hope. So when she came in and told me, I was totally unprofessional and burst into tears. It's so brilliant, and I know this shouldn't be the case, but I really liked her, so I was sort of even more invested. And then I saw this lovely woman who kept on having miscarriages and helped her carry a baby to full term. Well, it's not me that does it, it's the needles, because if you start thinking like that, then it's all over. Your ego is running the show, and you can't treat someone from that place. But it still felt good. It is hard work, though, because it's so binary and there is so much pressure. You know, people are either pregnant or not. It's not like anxiety or back pain where there are degrees moved in the right direction each time. So I would definitely suggest getting some supervision around it if you plan to go into this side of it, as it's really tough after a day when no one's got pregnant or even ovulated. It's hard not to feel like you're responsible even though there's so many other factors involved. And of course, they're devastated. So you're holding that space too. It's a heavy energy. I've been wondering recently about seeing less fertility patients because of that. And I do a lot of IVF. That's the assisted conception route. And it's so brutal. A sort of madness descends after a while, and I think it can become an addiction. Like gambling. I saw a play once about a woman who had 13 cycles of IVF and each cycle was less and less successful. And she couldn't stop. She sort of lost her mind by the end of it and it was a bit of a bloodbath. Everyone loved it and I had a horrible evening. It was like a bloody busman's holiday for me. The thing is, you can't really be the one to say, so when do you think you're going to stop throwing money at this because it's not working? They have to come to that conclusion themselves. It can be a bit soul-destroying. I had a 44-year-old patient last year who was offered IVF with a 3% success rate, and she said, No way. I might as well set fire to 10 grand. <laughs> I really liked her. And now they have the whole dilemma of whether to do egg donation or not, as that's offered next at these fertility clinics. One of my patients went into early menopause at 39 and then met the love of her life. So she asked her 30-year-old cousin for eggs because she wanted to keep the genes as close as possible and wanted her child to know its heritage. She's now really happy with a lovely son. No one seems to regret it if they do, but for some, it's a step too far. 
My boyfriend always jokes about putting a few needles in before we have sex. He's gagging for kids. More than he's gagging for sex, actually, which isn't exactly a turn-on. But I don't know if I want them yet. I know. <laughs> right. I'm 34, not getting any younger, and the Daily Mail would have me believe I should be a granny by now if I was doing my job right as a woman. Anyway, it's weird. Being around that desperation all the time can kind of play games with your head. It's just made me think a bit more about why I would do it, rather than just jump on the conveyor belt, you know? I mean, I think I want to be a mother, but I want to make sure it's for the right reasons and not just for the sake of it, or that my best friend is doing it and I don't want to get FOMO. Seriously, one of my patients told me that she'd always been desperate to be part of the gang and was hoping, once she'd had her child, that she'd be let into the mum's group. Just not sure that's the best reason to have a kid. Yesterday, my patient decided to go for egg donation and sperm donation as her eggs weren't good. And at 41, she didn't think she'd ever meet anyone. I mean, maybe she's right. Maybe she won't meet anyone in time, and at least she's got a bit more integrity than my sister's friend. Get this. She was so desperate at 39 that she pretty much seduced this guy on a one-night stand and told him she was on the pill, knowing she was ovulating, and got pregnant. He was only 27 and didn't want to be a father, and now he's the bad guy because he should have worn a condom. Which I suppose he should, but I actually feel sorry for him because he was prey. It's not very sisterhood of me, is it? But seriously, oops, I got pregnant. How did that happen? No, you knew exactly what you were doing. And what kind of mother does that make you from the off? It just feels like it's not about the child. That ticking clock can get so loud that it's almost like torture for some, I suppose. It's uncomfortable hearing a patient talk about how choosing her baby's sperm was like internet dating and how she was going to carry on dating, trying to find the one as soon as she'd popped the baby out. Apparently, the baby would be silent in a cot under the table. And she said her parents wanted the child way more than her, so she would just drop it off with them if anything got serious. It? That's what she said. I once watched one of those prison dramas when one of the inmates put 12 lollipop sticks in the ground to mark all her abortions. And her friend told her that it was her best act of motherhood she could have done not having those babies. I think about that sometimes when I'm in the treatment room. Oh God. I'm so sorry, I'm totally offloading on you, aren't I? I don't even know if you have kids. You don't. Oh, thank God. That could have been awkward. Or maybe not. Maybe you could give me another perspective. I feel really bad. It really is great work. There are so many lovely women and couples out there and you're part of their journey in a really beautiful way. When you do IVF, it's such a cold clinical process that you hold hope for them and support them when the going gets rough, and it definitely works. I suppose what I'm saying is, think carefully before you decide to specialise. I don't think I'd regret it. If I did have them, I mean, but I don't buy into this thing about loneliness and having kids taking that away. I reckon I'd be more lonely 
It just looks like really hard work. I went on a retreat the other day. It was amazing. One of those ones with brilliant, inspiring women all around you. And I was sharing in a circle about my dilemma. And these mothers were all sharing too. Yeah, of course you love them. But it's not all it's cracked up to be. (laughs) And then another burst out laughing and said, It's so boring, isn't it? (laughs) Then this woman came up to me afterwards and said, I really hope this lands well but I've got two amazing children and I love them deeply. But the anxiety of bringing them up has been overwhelming. And if I had my life again, I would choose freedom. Why don't people talk about this, honestly? Yesterday, my patient told me she couldn't tell her husband, but that she was relieved when her last cycle didn't work. Everyone says, as soon as I have them, life will make sense and I will fall in love and it will be the best thing I've ever done. But isn't that just a hormone stalking or cognitive dissonance? Isn't it better to make this decision rationally? Or is it even a rational decision? Am I overthinking everything again? As I said, this work plays games with your head. I think I'd be really sad if I didn't have children. But am I going to do this just because I don't want to feel the pain of not or to give my life purpose? Is that fair on the child? Or on my boyfriend? He's gagging for them more than he is for me. I don't know if I can give them to him. Even if I wanted to. I've known for a while now. My chances are less than low. Sat here every day listening to my patients' stories, their delight, their roller coasters, the stupid reasons for even getting pregnant, their pain. And all along, somewhere in the back of my head, I'm thinking, this isn't going to happen for me. It's hard when a decision like that is taken away from you. I can't tell him. Not yet. Just can't take another loss. So I just sit here every day helping other people get pregnant. I don't know the answers, but I think what I do need to do is step back a bit. (laughs) God, I'm so sorry. You've come here to learn, and it seems you've been an impromptu therapy session for me. (laughs) You are a brilliant listener, though. And actually, half our job is listening, so I think you've got no worries about being a great practitioner. But seriously, we're alone most of the time with a lot of other people's emotions, and that can be hard. So look after yourself, and take time out when you need it. It's pretty much the best advice I can give you. This is the end of the line Didn't you know Helena was played by Olu Adeze The episode was written by Anna Bernard and directed by Mark Haywood Casting by Sydney Aldridge 
Music by Daisy Tute and Kerry Ann from The Herd Collective. The episode was recorded at The Sound Company in London and edited by Mitchell Harris. The End of the Line is an Ink Jockey production. But this is not the end of my line Didn't you know that I'm the one with the time It's not the end of the line